Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Chris Evans Bien. She is a member service manager at the Microsoft Alumni Network, serving a global community of almost 50,000 alumni members who are entrepreneurs, business owners, and inspiring nonprofit leaders. Her experience across media, technology, arts, education, nonprofit advocacy, and political sectors have culminated in a unique skill set not often found in one person. She's also a skilled marketer and producer. We have so much to talk about here, Chris, so let's just jump right into this conversation and welcome. Thank you. Nice to talk to you, Dr. Watson. <laughs> well, it's nice to talk to you. It's been a while since we've chatted, so I'm so happy to be here with you today. So let's get right into this, Chris. I'd like you to describe yourself and how you develop your unique skill set over time, because I think people will want to hear that. You have so many skills, so let's talk about your journey and, and describe yourself within that journey. Okay. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about how I got to where I am today. I have done a lot of different things. I've worn a lot of different hats. Um, I've changed careers quite a few times. And I would say that I was inspired to do that mostly by my dad, who told me when I was in college that I should go out and have as many jobs as I wanted because he stayed at one company for 50 years and retired right out of college. So he basically told me to do exactly the opposite of what I did. And he wanted me to have that, I think really would describe as a growth mindset, mm-hmm. you know, and from an early age, I was never afraid to change jobs or change careers or do different things because of that encouragement. I found that really empowering. Awesome. That is awesome because for a lot of people, it takes a little bit more courage to get up and change and shift and pivot and learn something new for a lot of people actually. And so to be able to have a model of somebody who was in an industry for 50 years to tell you, make sure you diversify, make sure you find different jobs, make sure you get yourself out there and define what it is that you like to do. Talk more about your journey and how you acquired some of these skills. Okay. So I studied broadcast journalism in college, and so that was my first love was writing. And so I started in television production um, right out of school. I worked for ABC News in LA, then decided to move to New York. So go to New York City and work for Network News there and um, was involved in the launch of Primetime Live with Diane Sawyer and Sam Donaldson, which was super exciting. I moved back there for the job. And then as soon as I moved back there, the executive producer's mother passed away and I had no job. And so I was like, what? I've just literally relocated and I now have no job. And this is very, um, you know, this happens a lot in television. There's a lot of change. Things change very quickly. And um, so I was like, okay, now what I'm going to, what am I going to do now? And so I ended up working for Good Morning America 
stuffing envelopes, which was not the dream. Um, but I decided I'm going to be the best envelope stuffer there is. And so I did that. It was like supposed to be a couple of days of work. Then it turned into a month and then they asked me to stay on, but I had really wanted to go to this other show. And so they actually, because of ABC News, they were in the same building. And so I just kept knocking on the door to try to get in. And then I eventually, instead of taking the job offer from Good Morning America, went to the other show, which was upstairs. And so um, got my foot in the door there. And it's pretty intense launching a magazine show. And it was a lot of high pressure um, position. Um, I actually was there for about like a year and then um, I was trying to get promoted and uh, I wasn't having a lot of success. So someone got me a job interview at 60 Minutes, which is our competitor mm -hmm. at CBS. And so then they offered me a job and then I went back to my current job and I said, hey, you know, I got this job offer and of course they didn't want me to go. So then I was able to leverage that to get promoted where I already was. Uh -huh. So that was that was a big learning lesson and like starting to learn, and I was only 22 at the time, to negotiate for myself and to learn more about how the business world works and that, that, you know, you always have to be kind of advocating for yourself. Right. And so yeah. it, was, it was a lot of moving around. And that's an interesting lesson to learn early on and to be able to grasp that and to have the courage to actually use that leverage so and you did it yeah and it worked out for you so. <laughs> you never know how that's gonna go right <laughs> you're, you're taking a risk when you do that <laughs> right and sometimes you can't draw within the line sometimes it takes drawing outside the lines to actually make movement in your journey and that means risks right. so so go on, tell us more about this journey because so so then I then I then I went back to LA um because you know I just the daily news grind was was a lot and um my family was in California, so we went back to California and um dug into TV production and started moving up and got into producing and um was having a lot of fun, but then after a while, I was like, okay, well, you know, there are certain things I want in my life. I want a long-term relationship. I might like to have kids someday. And I was 30 years old and I'm like, I really need to reevaluate. I'd been on a show that got, had gotten canceled. One of 15 jobs I'd had in television, the only one that had ever gotten canceled. So I kind of took that moment to reevaluate what do I want to do next? And I'd had a friend who she'd gotten out of television and gone to become a private investigator, which I thought was a really interesting career pivot. But that kind of inspired me to think, well, I could go do something radically different. Like I didn't really know what that was gonna be. Because this was like always the dream was to work in television. Um, so I went to a career counselor. Um, you know, 30 is a kind of a pivotal age anyway, where you're kind of reevaluating. And so I just, uh, started tapping my connections. I ended up giving my resume to someone I'd sublet an apartment from in New York City for mm -hmm. three months. We became friends and stayed friends for 10 years. I gave him my resume. He was at Microsoft in Redmond. 
And I'm like, I don't know what I would do at Microsoft. You know, I was not a coder. I didn't have those technical skills, but I had gotten online. Um, my friend's 13 year old daughter had gotten me on AOL, taught me what a website was. Like I learned everything I could from her, you know, back in 95. And, um, so I put in my resume at Microsoft and got hired to book celebrities for MSN. And um, so that, that was what I got moved up here to do. Um, you know, technology was not something I had anticipated in any way, okay. but um, so much new stuff was taking off and they were kind of taking the broadcast production model and trying to lay it over in mm -hmm. um, online services. So I never had to actually book celebrities because then I moved to a different group and started doing interactive television, which um, played on my previous skills, but I hadn't intended that to be the thing I was going to do. So I had just gone in and pitched an idea and they said, oh, go talk to the interactive TV people. And it was literally like two people at that point. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, it was just, I kind of feel like it was just, letting my own path determine itself but i definitely had to you know it was uncomfortable like i had gotten hired for this role so now what am i going to do now i'm going to go do something completely different like you know your head kind of spins a little bit like is this the right move but i'm like i'm here i need to do something this feels like a good direction and so i got to produce the first prototype working with an existing tv production company because traditionally Microsoft has used their technology and worked with companies, but we got into the production process with the TV production people. And okay. because I'd had that experience, I had some crossover there. So even though I was learning new technology, you know, my previous skills were building on that. Okay. So, so that was, that was one pivot. <laughs> okay. So let me just ask you a quick question. Now, interactive TV, does that correlate with reality TV? What is interactive TV? Well, there have been a lot of flavors of interactive TV. And um, when I uh, got there in the mid 90s to late 90s, um, interactive TV was watching TV on your computer with things either around the TV picture, like around the screen. It wasn't necessarily changing the plot. Okay. But it was like you could click on things and do things while you were watching the show at the same time. We also worked with web TV. So Microsoft acquired web TV when I was there. So it was kind of this hybrid of watching TV and clicking on things. You know, this was all pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook. You know, there were no online services. The, you know, bandwidth was much more limited. But the idea was you would watch a TV show and chat with people while you were watching TV. I mean, oh. now we do that all the time. So yeah. like, or it would be like you could click on a recipe while you're watching a cooking show and download it or print it. Oh, so very we cool. were visualizing like things that didn't really exist and what people might want to do with an entertainment, you know, um, production sensibility right. and make it visually appealing because most TV producers think my show is fine. It doesn't need anything else. Right. So what could you possibly enhance my show with that it doesn't already have, especially like a drama or something. Sure. So, um, so, you know, it was a really delicate balance between making it entertaining, 
having things to get more information, but not interfering with the television, with the video. Right. And so, you know, being a TV person, I could respect what that difference was. Yeah. And it wasn't about just doing cool, newfangled things. It was right. like, what would people, what would an audience really want to do? And right. now we have like, you know, Black Mirror did an interactive episode um, on Netflix that you can do now where you click, but it actually changes the plot. That was a little more involved than what we did. Um, you know, ours would be like, you know, I see that actor in that show. Where have I seen that person before? Right. So you could click on a bio and see like their list of credits. Right. Or, you know, you could buy stuff from the show. So we were kind, you know, and this was before e-commerce was like quite what it is today. Right. You know, it was a very different time. Amazon was, you know, selling books then. It was, it was not right. the engine that it is now. So we right. were really trying to envision like things that naturally would go, you know, that's, together. That's very, very progressive for back then. And it also sounds like, well, let me take a step back here. So there's, there's so much that was going on that you were developing that it also sounds like a good platform for education. Definitely. So, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Because if you've got something going and somebody can pick a, B, or C, you can integrate that into some kind of education platform, and it would be so helpful, especially since we are getting into the technology age. So you were developing something that could be go in so many different directions, number one. And then number two, it also goes into the gaming era. So it's like when you're watching, because now we have so many stories that games are stories, as you're going around, do you pick up that sword? Do you go to the left or do you go to the right? Do you choose box one, box two, box three? Box? So you were developing something that was really very progressive. So yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah, it, it was a really fascinating time to be there and to just be able to play with something that wasn't quite on people's radar and that was being you know, invented as we went along. And right. just to help shape that vision was like incredibly rewarding and fun and we did different genres so we did drama we did uh how to like cooking shows with the food network we worked with pbs on some educational kids shows like we did a prototype for zoom when they the second iteration of the show we right. worked with hand in hand with them to create the prototype so um you know, each one had a look and feel. Right. I mean, you, you're kind of seeing these things now, like in virtual conferences, where yeah. you have yeah. the video of the panel, and then you can click and do different things and interact. Nice. You can ask questions, or you can chat, or you can vote, like those kind of things. Yeah. Those were the kind of things we were envisioning people would want to do, and how you do it in a way that doesn't interfere. Right, right. What a cool construct you are developing. And of course, now we're seeing more of it and how it has been developed and how it has shifted and shaped. So, okay. So from there, you went on to and pivoted again. Yes. And so after, so um, after um, a few years of doing prototypes and um, we actually started marketing this to different programmers, we were trying to set up some international standards. Um, at the time. Um, and so I started doing marketing and events, which, you know, events are basically shows. And so again, I took that template of entertainment and applied it to events. 
And so got to do events all over the world and all over the United States, which was a lot of fun. But each time, like taking something I knew and building on it. And, you know, I didn't have a marketing degree, but my entertainment background, there is def definitely so much crossover. Yes. And, um, and I just kept finding, like, I kept trying to find roles that I learned something new. And so after that, I decided, okay, well, now it seems like time to have kids. So I better take time out for that because time is going really quickly by now. <laughs> and so, um, so I stopped, I had kids, I had my first child, and then two years later, I had twins. So I'm definitely an overachiever. <laughs> yeah, right. In everything. <laughs> uh, so got the kids, got the kids all out there and um, got that checked off my list. But it was great to have the kids, you know, it was not exactly time off having, you know, three kids under the age of two. So it was a, it was a, you know, a lot of work those first few years. But um, as soon as my kids got into school, I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? So like I started, I would go teach occasionally like at their preschool. And then as soon as my oldest got into kindergarten, I started teaching art as a volunteer because most of the elementary schools in Washington do not have art teachers. Uh -huh. They have art docents, so parents teach art. So for eight yeah. years throughout their time in elementary school, um, I taught art as a volunteer. And so I had to learn about art, which, you know, was not my background, but I had natural, you know, visual literacy skills from being mm -hmm. in TV and, um, and it was so much fun. It was so rewarding. I mean, I built relationship with the kids. I still know all the kids, mm -hmm. you know, from that time. Um, and I started moving into kind of education. I worked for the school district, training parents to be art docents, and I coordinated the program for my school and started getting really interested more in education okay. and um, bringing all these pieces together. Right. And as you're telling your journey and talking about it, you're talking about skills that you've gained and now you're putting those skills, those transferable skills into play in something else. And it sounds like you've always been somebody that has gone into something and then started creating something from that. You weren't necessarily always given direction. So you develop programs, you've developed platforms, you develop different things. So you started gaining these skills. You started using those gained skills and transferring them and adapting them accordingly to every time that you pivoted. So, and I like talking about this because I think sometimes we miss the steps of one, two, three, and go from one to five or one to three so quickly that people forget that it does take time. Mm -hmm, it takes definitely. Time to develop who you are professionally and personally. It takes time to develop where you want to be. And even sometimes at 50, um, you still don't know because you haven't really thought about what your passion is. You've got value. You know that you've been doing a lot of jobs. You've got a lot of skills, which brings me to my next question. My next question is, because you have so many skills, have you been able to harness your passion and skills to support the work that you have done one over the years, but now put that into something that you love and that you value? Well, uh, yes. <laughs> A, a lot of that is getting harnessed in um, volunteer work that I continue to do. So I 
am an ambassador for Arts Ed Washington, which is a K-12 arts education nonprofit. And so advocating for arts funding. I'm very passionate about media literacy and teaching kids 21st century skills through the arts and empowering young people through the arts. So I'm very supportive of that. I'm going to be soon taking a board position at a nonprofit, which I can't name yet, but um, that's really exciting that one that wants to position itself as, as a global leader. I'm really excited about that opportunity to help influence that process. Um, I've also gotten very involved in politics. And so when I worked in TV, I worked with a lot of female politicians. That was really inspiring. I always kind of wanted to run for office and I was really interested in politics in high school and um, involved. But um, so I've gotten, I ran as a PCO like three years ago. And so I'm really involved in local politics in my neighborhood. Um, that's been really rewarding. I um, last summer did six debate watch parties um, for my legislative district okay. and um, have started getting more involved in fundraising and organizing, serving on not only the communications team, doing social media for them, but also planning events, doing outreach, um, joined the data committee. So like trying to bring together all these different aspects of my background and yes. using that to kind of serve my community. Yes, and I can hear this. I can see how you've integrated all of this, all of your skills or many of your skills and you've again, transferred that into something that you're passionate about, which is so exciting. And let me ask you this question. Do you think that you would have known all of this at 20? Do you think that it took some time to develop and now you're at a place where you can say, I actually feel fulfilled. I actually am going in a direction that I actually am passionate about. Um, I definitely would not have known this at 20 or 22 or 25. I mean, I, I feel like every decade gets more exciting as far as just feeling empowered as a woman and knowing who you are and what your values are. And that takes time because you have to, you know, get 10 years into your career until you even know if you like it, until you even get to a level where you feel like I've achieved something, I've done something here, uh, what I've done, you know, matters. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like literally every decade there's been some you know big shift in okay i'm gonna go do this or i'm gonna go do this for a period of time i'm gonna go try this um but it it definitely is a process um and i really appreciate that my dad gave me that encouragement early on because if he had not said that i don't know what would have guided me to kind of have that fearlessness about changing jobs and careers like i was never afraid to do that and when I like left TV, a lot of my friends are like, well, what are you going to do at Microsoft? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to go figure it out. Like I'm 30 years old. Who cares? You know, I'm just going to go for it. I mean, I'd gone to New York, which also gave me a lot of confidence. And I think every time I've stepped out, I have tried to take my, you know, envisioning idea, creativity skills and lay that over what I'm doing, but it takes time. You can't just go to the new job and like throw out a million ideas. You got to learn that job and then find where's the creative aspect or how do I use this as a growth opportunity? And it takes time for that to really, 
you know, happen. And it doesn't just happen one day. It doesn't happen just one year. Like, and I think the older I've gotten, the more confidence I have. Like it took me a while to get my confidence back after having kids and figure out, okay, so how, what do I do now? I'm not going to be just happy sitting at home, you know, watching kids for the rest of my life. I love my kids. They're wonderful. Now I have three teenagers. Um, I, you know, I am completely devoted to my kids, but I still had that part of myself I wanted to develop. Right. And I love that you were able to retrieve that balance because I hear from a lot of women who have had that dream and they decided because like, of course you can't help who you fall in love with and they just, (laughs) or when that's going to happen, you don't know that either. Mine was kind of late, you know? (laughs) (laughs) or when that's going to happen. So some people, in particular women, they tend to leave that I had this dream. I had this vision for myself, leave that, get married, have kids. And all of a sudden you're that side of you is kind of lost in life. And yet you're still yearning for something and you're still yearning for that passion. And you were able to, although it was an adjustment, able to retrieve back and work with finding that balance again. And so many people don't come back and find that balance and they have this longing of sorts and yet you were able to do it. So why don't you speak to that a little bit and about how you started kind of dipping your toes back into the water or if you in fact kept your toes in the water while you were doing, you know, through these pregnancies and raising children. Tell us about that because I think that that needs to be heard too. Those experiences that women have had where they can actually reclaim that balance. So tell us about your experience. Well, I will say that it, the hardest part was feeling confident enough to continue and to feel like I still have skills. Like, you know, I didn't work for five or six years and then I started teaching art And I'm like, you know, I didn't have to have any experience to do that. They weren't paying me. Whatever I did was going to be appreciated. Um, And, you know, I was, I didn't have any, but usually sometimes you would have a couple of art docents in a class, Mm -hmm. but I was just like, I signed up to do it and then no one else signed up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am by myself. I figured it out. Um, But it was like, um, I got to just have to jump in here and try it. And then it was, um, you know, by the reactions of the kids and the teachers and the support, I was able to kind of build on my confidence and then eventually like ran the program for my school and then eventually tried to get a job. I actually went to the school uh, nonprofit foundation for a while. And then while I was there, I met someone who actually ran the Artosum program and she's like, oh, do you want to come do this? And so I'm like, yeah, I do. That is, I really want to teach parents how to teach art. And mm-hmm. so like each little thing just kind of built my confidence. Right. And, um, but it was, it took a long time. I, I cannot, I, I, you know, the whole imposter syndrome yes. and all that is real. And right. it's like, I still struggle with the confidence, but I um, feel like, especially for moms, it's hard to kind of go from being a mom, if you want to go back to work, it it takes a while to be comfortable with who you are, 
you know, I think still being a mom in the workplace, they, they, you know, we're breaking some of these rules, but I still think there's a perception you cannot be as committed to your job as your kids. But, but I know so many women, moms who want to go back to work who cannot get back in. And it's, it's a real barrier to getting back in. And it's, it's not that you don't have skills, but everybody told me, you know, go out and volunteer, do things for organizations, you know, that need help that, that align with your values and learn things so that you can show all the new stuff. And I had been working part-time for years, but it still was like, what's that barrier to get back to full-time work? And so I joined a women's co career cohort, which was super helpful in gaining confidence. But I found many moms, the, conf the lack of confidence was the biggest common denominator. It wasn't that we didn't have skills. You know, I mean, after you have kids, you become a master negotiator. I mean, that, that's all you do every day. You know, you are building schedules. You are managing pro projects. You are the program manager. You are the activities director. You do it all. You're the producer. You know, you are the producer of your kids' lives. And so, you know, I feel like that is more seen as a value now than it used to be and bring your, bringing your authentic self to work. But I, I still found with a lot of my friends that, and people that I met that were moms, that there's a barrier to getting back in. Like, okay, what, what do you possibly, you know, but I feel like I have more energy now in some ways and I know who I am you know, and what my skills are than I did, you know, 20 years ago. And so, um, but it has taken time to get that confidence back, you know. Well, thank you for describing your journey through that, because I think that many times when there is a separation between being in the workforce, being at home, being a mom, you forget that you have balanced checkbooks, you have done program management, you have done, you're doing that as a mom. Right. Transferable skills. For 20, 24 seven, you don't get any weekends off. <laughs> That's right. It is constant. And so you're doing multiple jobs constantly. And those are skills that are transferable. Those are skills that have built on your previous skills and all the skills that you've gained over the years that you can apply to the next phase, to the next job to the next entrepreneurship. But I think the suggestions of going and finding an internship, going and finding um, volunteering, going and creating new programs for something that is needed in your community are all really great suggestions because, and I'll just tap into my experience as a military spouse, we'd have to get up and move every three years. And sometimes that was overseas. And sometimes that meant if you're overseas and you're stuck on a little island, there's not a lot of jobs. And then you stop working for a while. And then it's like, you may lose a little bit of that confidence. And then you might have babies and then boom, boom, boom. It all kind of creeps up on you. But through that whole process, I, I always said, go out and volunteer. Mm -hmm. you have the opportunity volunteer because you never know what that volunteerism may lead to or might lead to such as it leads to jobs it leads to connections it leads to networking it leads to a lot of different things which could be beneficial for you in the long run as well as the short term so and it's a way to stay connected Absolutely. and 
when you're a volunteer, they'll let you do anything. You get to choose what you want to do. I mean, if you want to run someone's social media account, I just had to teach myself. I mean, you know, that's how I got on Twitter. That's how I got on LinkedIn for different organizations. And it's like, I didn't know anything about social media. I just taught myself. I just jumped in and volunteered and they're like, great, go do it. And so, you know, I read about it, I studied it, I've learned what works and what doesn't work. And I mean, and the other thing about volunteering, besides all the things that you named about networking and um, making connections and mostly building your confidence. And is, relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really gotten to the place, I think, with finding work, especially with where we're at now, is, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But it's having the confidence and knowing people right. and having some experience. Which leads me to my next question. It's something you wrote in your bio, which I absolutely loved. You said your superpower is best described as being a connector, having conversations, often utilizing your out-of-the-box thinking power across industries to play matchmaker among your contacts and making introductions. So tell me more about how you developed this superpower because I love that in your bio. <laughs> well, um, I am definitely a people person. I, I have found this time staying at home really hard as an extrovert, um, which is why I've been like organizing event watch parties with my friends and, and coming up with ways to connect with people in new ways. But I guess I developed it, um, I, you know, I'm always trying to kind of tap my creativity. So I'm, so I'm kind of an unconventional thinker and that I'll be like, you know what, this person should really meet this person or like in the, in the course of like the COVID-19, you know, stay at home order. Um, I, we were uh, collecting laptops and computers for kids in need for school. And so um, one of the things that I did was um, I was, we were taking in donations, um, connecting like the parents who needed the laptops or the community members who needed the laptops with the computers and, you know, getting those coordinated. But then, um, I went to the website for the school district and I saw there was this, uh, hardware recycling company. So I called the guy up and I'm like, we should really coordinate so that people aren't like hitting all of us up and we can have some kind of like, um, you know, strategic plan of how we're going to deploy computers. And so we're not stepping on each other. And so we struck up a relationship and, and then I found another alumni member who was offering free Wi-Fi to students and people looking for jobs and his co-work space was closed. And so he, um, was having people sit in the parking lot and there was a food business as part of his co-working space and they were serving people food in their cars. Yeah. And so what I, and then my nonprofit contacts had students who needed computers. So what I did was I connected those three people. So we had the free internet, we had the computers and we had the students. And so I introduced all of those people to each other and said, here's all the, here's the triangle. All you guys should know each other and, you know, set them all up an email and they all coordinated so that every, all the pieces were, all the dots were connected. Right. And then I knew someone who worked at um, an online um, blog and I said, here, you should cover the story about what they're all doing together. So right. like thinking of all the pieces and how to benefit each of those different people and just 
kind of it's kind of out of the box thinking but i'm always kind of looking for those connections just i just naturally have always done that you know like this person this person seem alike they should meet you know i I love that as your superpower i absolutely (laughs) love that because because we need that we need to be able to do that with each other especially during this time where we have the opportunity and the technology to connect one another and support one another through that connection. So I'm going to pivot here a little bit, but let's talk about your passion to help women and girls become leaders and how this is developed for you. Well, um, you know, one thing I've learned by trying to be fearless, and I have not always been fearless. I have definitely had my times where I've been very afraid. Um, I, but it is a, an awful feeling to have in your gut. And, and I want, you know, especially girls to have the opportunity to um, do whatever it is they want to do. And, it, and it's not easy. I mean, you know, it's, it's easier maybe now in some ways than it was 30 years ago, but it's still not easy. You know, women are still not holding, you know, as many CEO positions and as many, you know, C-suite positions. And, you know, it's still a slog in many ways, even though, you know, a lot of things have changed. Um, Absolutely. I agree with you there. So I just, I want to do whatever is in my power to empower kids, girls, women. Um, I just talked to a mom on the phone who called at, you know, through work. She had lost her husband like in November and she's trying to get back to work. And so I said, well, let me tell you a little bit about my story and shared with her the steps I had gone through, the women's cohort group, getting on LinkedIn and starting to establish her brand. And I'm like, you know what? We should connect on LinkedIn. Let's, you know, I'll tell you, you know, a little bit about my story now that you've shared. And, um, and so like, I feel like at least I can, I want to shine a light that it's possible to go back to work if you're a mom, even if you haven't worked in 20 years, it's not impossible because sometimes it really feels impossible. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And sometimes though, it is mindset, shifting that mindset and also getting out of the way of yourself and knowing that you have these skills you have these skills, but that takes courage and that takes recognition. And sometimes we don't recognize what's happening until somebody points it out and says, wow, you've got all these skills. You want to go back to work. What's blocking you from doing that? Let's have a conversation about that. And then it becomes a very organic thing where they start becoming more comfortable, recognizing what's going on and saying, aha, I can do this. I do have skills. Let me, how do I approach this? And sometimes it's just about how do I do this? How do I strategize? And and that's one thing that's nice in regards to your journey and your history is that you had the courage. You took the, the leap of faith. You went outside the box of comfort. And you said, when those people asked you, well, what are you going to do? If you're going to leave TV, then what are you going to do? You're going like, I don't know. I'm going to go to Microsoft, <laughs> but I'm going to make it work. Right. You had that courage because... I think sometimes too, it comes early on when you have that foundation of somebody saying to you, you can do it, go out and figure it out, go out and explore and figure out what feels good to you, figure out what works for you, figure out where you're going to gain the most momentum, the most skills, the most, whatever it is, go and figure it out. And you had that early on, which is great. 
So we as women can give this now and can give back to community. And I love that you said that in your bio because when I started Core Women, and I wanted to tell you this earlier, um, when I started Core Women, I did a bit of research before I started this company because I wanted to see what was going on with women in community. I wanted to see how we supported one another. I wanted to see if women were mentoring women out in the community in jobs. And almost 40 to 50% of women said, no, I do not have a woman mentor at my job. Um, no, I do not feel embraced by other women, and even in social settings. No, I don't have another woman to turn to necessarily. So I was pretty shocked about that. And I thought, we can do better than this. We can do better than this as women. We have an opportunity to help somebody along, to make sure that they are able to grow their skill set and grow their connections. And that's why when you mentioned your superpower being connecting, having these conversations, being that connector, that's fabulous because we do. We need to connect more people to people and more women to women, more women to, to, to things that they might be interested in that they never thought they might have an interest in. Exactly. And you don't know, you don't have to know how to do something. You can right. go out and learn it. Like, I think the, the industry in some ways is more open-ended than it used to be. Like there, because my dad knew I was not going to work somewhere for 50 years. I mean, it was so much insight to, for him to say that just based on his own experience. Right. But literally, I was never going to be in one career for 50 years. That's just not reality. It's not reality now. Right. It wasn't my reality. I'm sure it wasn't your reality. No. Um, you know, <laughs> no. but, but that has been a tremendous benefit to ha not be locked in. You right. Know? Absolutely. Now we've talked about so much and we're coming towards the end of the interview. And thank you for sharing your journey because there was so much depth and so many great nuggets of wisdom here that people can take and go, aha, you know what? I can use that in my daily life. I can use this to move forward in my life. I may need to get out of the way of myself. And how do I build my courage? And we've given a lot here. But my last question to you is because if you were to sum this up and you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would that be, Chris? I think my advice would be um, find ways to build your confidence, whatever that is. If you're a great cook, you know, work on your cooking skills. If you like to decorate or build a garden or, um, you know, go out and volunteer at your kids' school or, you know, learn how to code, whatever that thing is that you want to do. My advice is, you know, dip your toe in the water. If you, if you need to be cautious, you know, find the right time for yourself but make the time to learn something new because for me stepping out always has rewarded itself it, it works out it may not feel like it in the moment but sometimes you have to have to take that risk to learn something new and for me every time i've learned something new it's built my confidence maybe it's exercising you know maybe it's just starting to feel good in your body or maybe it's taking care of that you know really nagging health issue that's holding you back it's like you were talking about having the blocks right. so find out what's blocking you find out what that thing is you really want to do and just go just go for it try it that you literally have nothing to lose 
and 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 it usually works itself out and it may take you in a different direction but i th i think just kind of embracing the open-endedness um you know it's a little bit of getting comfortable being uncomfortable um you know but we're living in a time full of ambiguity like nobody really knows what's going to happen when the world reorders itself but that's an opportunity it doesn't have to be depressing you know right right it all depends how you want to look at it right absolutely it really is a matter of how you respond versus react and so I love those words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for joining me on the Core Win podcast today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. If you would like to connect with Chris, you can find her on Twitter at ChrisBN for real and on LinkedIn at Chris Evans BN. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, Send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at infocorewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag core women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about core women and please stay tuned for continued growth of the core women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.